The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, and welcome to The Bike Goes On. This is Brian Casey with my good friend, Sonder Bernstein. And we have Saul Gropman in the house today, who is a restaurateur, foodie, wine lover, restaurant owner, classically trained guitarist, and good friend of uh, Sonder. Saul, uh, thanks for coming and welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, you for right. being. They are perfect. Thank you. Um, I know. This is so excited. This is show number 37 or 38. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting to get more listeners so that when you debuted on The Bike Goes On, we would have... I wanted to be number one. I'm sorry. (laughs) You don't want to be... Well, we were number number one. Number one with one listener. Right. We were number one. (laughs) Could have been Sandra's mom. mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Janet, are you listening? (laughs) Yes, she will be. Hi, Mom. Um, Well, I love the fact that I've got two restaurant owners that own restaurants on the square who both sort of had unusual beginnings in the restaurant business. Not what you would think of as fine dining. Sondra with you at uh, your history at uh, TGI Fridays. And Saul actually started his career at Jack in the Box when he was 13, no washing way. windows. I did not oh know God. that. How did you pull up yeah. that? Oh, he's like a private dick. I, I mean, wanted, a private eye. I wanted a dick job. for hire. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> I wanted a job so badly. And it was two blocks from my house on Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles. And I said, I'll work for anything. I literally worked for washing windows for hamburgers to start. Why did you want a job? I wanted to start earning money. And, oh. But they didn't, they wouldn't pay me at first. I don't know how they got away with letting me wash <laughs> you get away with for a burgers. lot years but ago. <laughs> very soon after that, I got my first paid job there for $1.35 an hour. Oh, my God. I have a great memory that just popped up um there was the the chef i think air <laughs> quotes you call him chef? the chef no I didn't call him chef. Uh, but uh, the the lead Jacques. burger slapper <laughs> um, was in, in the box. some guys came in and started to hassle me and he pulls out a 12 inch chef's knife holds it up in the air he says i've gone to jail for it once before and i'll go again Leave him alone. And I never forgot him. I forgot his name, but I never forgot that. It was Jacques from Jacques (laughs) in the Box. (laughs) It was awesome. Oh, my God. That's incredible. What did they even do with it? a chef's knife exactly. in that <laughs> restaurant. I think, I think in those days they, they, they were chopping onions. They actually chopped something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Not everything. The only thing that came in frozen bags were the tacos, the pre-made tacos, and the burger patties. Wow. I can't believe you remember all that. That's amazing. But then I didn't work into a restaurant again until I was 30. Really? Yeah. So what kind of jobs would you take from, like, did you have other well, part-time jobs? I was in, or? Yeah, I'm, well, it's, let's see. There's kind of a fog between then and when I went to off to school. Hmm. But I did have some jobs in New York City when I was going to Manhattan School of Music. And I worked in a gift shop on 72nd and Columbus. I worked there for a long time. <laughs> what <laughs> kind of gifts? Oh, goofy gifts. Chachkas? No, not, not like, like house decorations, oh. you know, kind uh-huh. of things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, that's probably why you're such a good salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> and in between, actually, I would go home summers and uh, my friends who had coffee, tea, and spice on Hate Street in San Francisco, and they roasted coffee there where I got my coffee education, they would go on vacation and I'd run the shop for two weeks because I could sell uh-huh. anything. Wow. The dogs in the shop that they could never sell, I sold. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> so they loved it when I came to town. Oh, that's awesome. But you said when you come home, are you from L.A.? Well, yes, but I lived it. Well, my first wife was from San Francisco, so we came back to San Francisco. Okay, yes. that home. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so L.A., San Francisco, but for the most but part. L.A., I then, left when I was 17 and never moved back. Okay. When I went off to school. Yeah, but, you're, but most of your family has stayed. It, yes, one brother lives on the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, and New York, you were there for how many years? Eight years. For eight years. Yeah. And well, I stayed after, school, no, stayed I after. got my bachelor's and master's both at Manhattan School of Music and um, stayed there. I taught at the Hackley School up in Westchester County after that, before I got my first teaching position in 1983 at Sacramento State University. Wow. Did you think you were going to, so were you like going to music school thinking you wanted to be a music teacher? No, well, performer and 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 get a teaching position ultimately, you know, at some point, because, you know, there are only that many opportunities for classical guitarists in recital at what age did you start playing guitar 12 12 and it was uh, by your own choice yeah, well i wanted to play Beatles songs <laughs> and my mother in her infinite wisdom said fine that's fine but you're going to get music lessons so we the little music store on north fairfax avenue the only guitar teacher was a flamenco guitar teacher. Wow. So, Wait, so North Fairfax. Fairfax, north of, San, north of Santa Monica. Near the 3rd Street. Well, um, north of that. The, the Just north, before the Hollywood Hills, between Santa between, Monica and Sunset. Okay, between yeah. Santa Monica. I love that farmer's market, yeah. the Fairfax farmer's market. Oh, well, the original market. farmer's market. Yes, yes. When we were growing yes. up. Uh, Gilmore, the Gilmore family had Gilmore Bank, and they had that whole property. And there was a drive-in movie theater behind wow. Farmer's Market. They were all stalls back then. And um, we used to race goat carts in the, um, oh in, the my in the drive-in movie theater parking lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so go back to, you had guitar lessons. So I had guitar lessons. And, and, and I did that flamenco for a couple of years, but all along, really, I just wanted to play, you know, Beatles songs and uh-huh. pop music. And, uh, and then now I'm going to embarrass myself because, okay, so I went through, you know, through high school and um, off, ready to go to college. And my brother, David, who's the next brother above me in age, um, was about to graduate from San Francisco State. So I thought, I'll go to San Francisco State. <clears throat> so I went there. And brought in my my Martin D18, which is a steel string acoustic that I had bought for myself from making money at Jack in the Box and wherever, and um, and I came into the audition and I played the Overture to Tommy by the Who on steel string, <laughs> and they looked at me though, well that's really good, but you know um, this is a classical guitar program. <laughs> And so that is a classic. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> and I played it really well. <laughs> if I do say so myself. And so I went, I got my, I went to the extension after hours at San Francisco Conservatory of Music. And 
studied with a wonderful guitar teacher there for a year, came back, re-auditioned, and got back and got into the department okay. as a classical guitarist. So I spent two years at San Francisco State, and that spring of the second year, Jose Tomas, who was an incredible guitarist from Alicante, Spain, and was Andre Segovia's assistant, came to give a series of master classes. And I went and I met with him and I said, I would love to study with you. So he invited me to come to Spain that summer to study, wow. which I did. And when I came back, I felt that I had, I just had outgrown what was going on in San Francisco at that point and um, went and, to New York and auditioned at Manhattan School of Music and got accepted there and then began my studies there with Manuel Barrueco, Cuban-American guitarist. And got my bachelor's there, and then my master's as well. Well, actually, there was a year between, and, and um, Andre Segovia had been recruited by USC after years of an absence in teaching to give a series of two weeks of master classes at, at USC. And um, 120 people auditioned. They chose 12 of us. Wow. And I went that summer, studied with two weeks with Segovia, and, um, Isn't it awesome how he like um, says these people's names the way like we would talk about chefs? Like right. if you're in the music business, <laughs> oh you Segovia, would know that. oh yeah, <laughs> right? They got three stars. <laughs> well, and are you speaking Spanish? I mean, did you take Spanish in school? You're, I, I mean, learned. I, I well, I I studied French in school mm -hmm. in high school, and um, and when I went to Spain, I learned as much as I could that summer and came back and took Spanish lessons okay. at school. Um, anyway, so let's see, where were we? Segovia came back. Turns out that there was a position. Oh, oh, somebody had seen me at the Segovia classes at USC, said there was an opening for a classical guitar instructor at Sacramento State. Can you please audition? So I got that job. So moved from New York in 83. Um, oh, that's a myself. culture change, New York. Well, to I Sacramento. lived in San Francisco and commuted. <laughs> you Seriously? Well, I would I would drive up on a Tuesday, teach all my students Tuesday, stay overnight, teach all my students Wednesday, and then drive back to San Francisco. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah, and um, that and built the program there. Actually, they had um, a guy named Gene Savage, um, one of the composition teachers, had the Festival of New American Music, which was quite a big thing up in that. Sacramento area and um, did a couple of I performed with let's see Paul Sperry who was a tenor and teacher at Juilliard School um, and I commissioned a work that we premiered there uh, I did a guitar quintet with the Kronos Quartet during that series I'm and guessing these are all really impressionable <laughs> like someone listening is going to go oh yeah, my god right. that's incredible you don't right. know the Kronos String Quartet I they're I, actually probably I, the I'm preeminent sure, I'm sure. Um, contemporary music quartet wow. on the scene for the last 40 years. Wow, I think. that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, trying to put it in perspective, perspective to our I listeners. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You don't need to Google any of these people. It's okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, are you a fan of Pink Martini? That's the, my reference for. I love Pink Martini's okay. first album. First, oh, I first did. album. Yes. Okay. Was that on more on the classical side? I think it was more unique what they were doing, and then it I Came felt mainstream. like it became a little kitschy oh. after that. Yeah, I think I've seen them four times, and yeah. I've 
I've enjoyed it less every time. Yeah. Well, that's how oh, I that's felt. So I saw sad. them twice, and the second time I was less yeah. excited about it. Yeah, I think oh. the last time was at the Green Center at Sonoma yeah. State, and I said, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I built that program for two years, and then it turns out that the position was going to open at San Francisco State. And there was a year in between, and I auditioned for that, got that job. But the year in between, friends of mine were opening up a little French bistro south of Market called South Park Cafe. My friends who had the coffee store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and said, hey, can you come help out? And I had never worked in a proper restaurant in my life. And I did. And I thought, I like this. Yeah. This is really fun. And it was very, I mean, it was, it was on South Park, which was kind of, well, it was kind of Needle Park back in the day. At night, there were bonfires in the middle of the oh park and goodness. needles all around. Um, Wait, where exactly is this yeah, South, South Park? Park is, South Park is, a, is an oval park in between 2nd and 3rd Streets and Bryant and Brannon. Okay. South, so oh my seven God. blocks so south like, of Market Street. Wow, so near where the, the design center was? Well, east of that, because the design center is more than 8th. Right. Oh, right, yeah. right, 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 right. But is that near under the underpass? It's just, it's one block south of, oh of the underpass. Oh my goodness, wow. Oh, the overpass, yeah. yeah no, that was and like Needle Park. It was, and, it and the might dot, be, right? there was no dot-com boom there. In fact, oh. Wired Magazine started at the corner of South Park and 2nd, and they used to come 10 o'clock at night to get coffees, you know, while they were trying to put this magazine together. Wow. Huh. But anyway, so I did that, and I thought, oh. What well, were you serving? Like, what kind of oh, food? Oh, it was, it was a French? classic French, classic French bistro, yeah. Um, like the, escargot? The, Oh, we did escargot, we did scallops in their shells, we did, huh. you know, classic pommes frites, you know, with a, you know, two, two cooking, you know, But how did they go from owning a coffee shop to then doing French? We, we had, there was this woman named Catherine Alswang, she's a French uh, cook, and somehow got together with her, and they decided to open up together, and so she was the first chef in the restaurant, and I mean, it was a, in fact, she has a place just off the, um, Chalmnar in Paris. You oh, know. still? Yeah. Now? Yeah. And she moved back. Did you go back and see her? I did many years ago, but uh-huh. haven't kept up after uh-huh. that. But I mean, it was, it, it was a real, it, I mean, cook, lunch and dinner and, you know, the most perfect cook monsieur, cook madame. Um, everything was, was classic French. And what were you doing? Well, we started, we had a coffee service in the morning since they were very serious about their coffee and they roasted their own beans. And, wow. and so we started just Bob and I, Bob Voorhees was the, you know, the owner there with um, Catherine and with Kathleen Hagen. And they, um, I just kind of helped out. Then I started like waiting tables on my days off at lunchtime and then dinner. And then I, they said, well, would you manage it for us? I said, well, I can do three days a week. So I did that. And I said, you know, if something, if, if another restaurant comes up, I really want to be a partner. And sure enough, there was, across the park was a place called City Block. And um, that had failed. And actually, it was in the back of the building. In the front of the building was a scooter shop. And we said, well, we want the whole space. So we took over the whole space and designed an Italian restaurant called Ristorante Eco, E-C-C-O. And I was a partner in that restaurant. And, and, that, so, and all the while, I kept teaching half-time. Wow. And running restaurant. And, and where did the love of wine start? Well, that was at South Park Cafe. I started doing the tastings with Bob, who was quite knowledgeable about wine. And um, week after week after week, just tasted. So, I mean, I've literally been tasting wines professionally since 1985. Yeah. 
and you yeah, just I think you know, me too yeah 80, and then 80, so yeah, it, it, first it was French wines in California yeah. I mean I remember we well, were right, selling right it. it was I mean Beaujolais Nouveau was serious then like when when it came I think it was more serious then than I see now well it was more a, a real thing right then right the wine was never serious no it, it was, was bubble yeah wine. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a thing yeah like, but I mean we were selling Raffinelli Zinfandel for $12 a bottle you know we yeah. were selling Maz de Gougonier you know from Cote Provence in for $10 a bottle I mean there's been a huge change <laughs> the yeah. wine yeah. market since then. and then with Echo I started tasting Italian wines for the first time and I found the like the fabulous beauty of Italian wines mm -hmm. and the low alcohol and the you know how food friendly they were and so that was just wonderful it's so funny you went your passion went from French to Italian mine went from Italian to French well it went from French to Italian and back to French to French and I mean for for wines that I want to keep for, for wine future right. oh yeah 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 for yeah. wine but yeah. food oh like, food yeah 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 that's funny yeah and then um you know in 1994 yeah how many years okay. how many years was well, echo? echo was echo was 10 years in fact in in right after 2001 began we started negotiating lease with the landlord who thought the dot-com boom was still going on and he, <laughs> he wanted to triple our rent Oy. and we just said then we're out of here yeah and we, years later, we found out he thought we were bluffing. He oh. But we closed the restaurant, auctioned everything off in April of 01, and then came 9-11. So wow. in fact, we dodged a major bullet yeah. because everybody hemorrhaged yeah. after that. And we got yeah. out. What did you school. do? Well, I was still teaching. You were, okay. And Bob still had um, South coffee. Park Cafe mm -hmm. and Universal Cafe, which he had built, as well as um, the first Citizen Cake. Oh. With uh, um, Elizabeth Faulkner, Faulkner. Which he, and the original location where um, Rotaro is right now, and Shay mm -hmm. Spencer was before that. Right. Um, so I went back to teaching. I had, you know, I had already actually moved up here because I got married. And, and where did you meet this person? Well, so in the summer of ninety four, summer of ninety four. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be incredibly boring for your listeners. No, this <laughs> is fascinating. In the summer of 94, I had met this wonderful woman named um, Susan Gordon. Remember the original Marie and Gordon up in Yountville where oh, Chicho is now? Yes, yeah. yes. And she said, oh, you know. Wait a second. Oh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, Sally Gordon. Sally, Sally Gordon. Sally I'm so Gordon. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Sally Gordon. Steve, the art, her husband was an artist. Okay. Sally Gordon. So, excuse me, sorry, Sally. Susan, Sally. And, um, and so there's this thing called um, Camp Carneros I want you to come up for. And the Carneros, Qual Carneros Quality Alliance had this thing called Camp Carneros where they brought up restaurant owners and wine writers for a weekend. They put us up at the El Dorado Hotel when it was Piatti's downstairs. So uh. the welcome dinner was at Piatti. And what year again? 94. 94. This is in September so of 94. we all open. What's that? Before, we're, we're yes. We're not open yet. And um, on the vineyard side was this wonderful woman named Anna Mularaki, who we caught each other's attention. And at the end of, oh, we, so we, we talked about clonal selection. We talked about harvest. We actually went and picked grapes the following morning. We made wine, did sparkling wine at Cordon Nap. Well, what was then... 
Code in Napa. Um, and we exchanged cards, and next thing we went, we went to an opera together, had dinner together, and eight months later, we were married here in wow. Sonoma. But wait, what happened to the first wife? Um, she was a bassoonist at Juilliard. That's how we, we okay. were both at school okay. together. So and, mu- another um, musician. When when I, we moved back to San Francisco, that dissolved. Yeah. Yeah. So... Okay, well, I mean, it's interesting because you really move towards food and wine and yeah. that lifestyle. And even though I continued to teach through 2006, up until 2006 at San Francisco State, um, you know, now this is now my, th- that's what, 13 years ago. So what ha- Oh, so moved to, moved to Sonoma. Right. Um, Anna says, oh, my friend Brigitte, this artist, um, and her husband, John, just moved back from Germany. They need a place to stay while they're looking for, a, you know, a place. And we had a little guest cottage, so they stayed with us. Wow. And for as, how long? Oh, not more than a week or so. Oh. Yeah. They yeah. found something. Uh-huh. Back in 94, you could find something fast. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and um, as a thank you, John said, oh, I want to make you dinner. So we go over to the ho- their new house that he makes a cachuco. What's well, a cachuco? Cachuco is a southern Italian f- seafood stew, which Ooh. we did at Ristorante Echo. I had never had a cachuco before then or since, and it was brilliant. And um, one day I said, oh, you know, we've got a lot of firewood. If you need a little extra firewood, so come on over. So he came over, and he says, hey, you know, there's this space on East Napa Street. Um, I want to do a little breakfast lunch place. I wrote a business plan. And don't ask me why, but for some reason I said, oh, if you want a partner, let me know. Not having ever had another intention to do a restaurant again, but I, for what some reason... What were re- you doing? So you were still I was, teaching. I was teaching. I, and commuting, and to, commuting San to, to San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. Does, does teaching pay the bills? Um, enough. Okay. Well, in 90, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, costs were a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But you could survive as a teacher. Could survive, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, and then, of course, I had the partnership in the restaurant. And so right. I had that. And, and Echo was successful, you know. It actually paid out Yeah. Um, distribution. So, you know, between that and Anna was, you know, running the vineyards at Buena Vista Winery. And so together, yeah, it was yeah. fine. And, um, and so... Well, I think we should mention, yeah. let's let's... Pull the curtain back and say, "This is John McReynolds that we're talking about, right?" The, yes. Pardon me. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Who is who is was your partner for a while and for is ten now years. Um, working at Stone Edge Farm? Yeah. Um, right. Who has exactly. been on the show? He, he's been on the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. Did you hear? His, well, I yeah. Did, did that's okay. No, no, no. That's okay. We but we did talk about Cafe La Haye and his yeah. beginning sure. and cooking. And, yeah. Yeah. It was and him now working for and, the McClowns. Uh, yeah. And so we opened up as a breakfast lunch place because everybody wanted a breakfast place in Sonoma, we were told. Everybody. <laughs> everybody didn't come in. <laughs> or they came in and they had 10 refills because we had fabulous coffee, you know, because uh-huh. coffee was really important to me. Right. Um, and, and you had to give free refills. And then. yeah, and yeah. we didn't, you know, and we didn't know what to charge for things, you know. So I said, if we're ever going to make a nickel in this restaurant, we got to add dinners, which he didn't really want to do in the beginning. You know, he, and we both, hey, it was a nice schedule. You work during the day and you're home right. at night. Mm-hmm. How many restaurant owners and restaurant restaurateurs Not have many. that? Zero. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so um, we added dinners. We hired a, 
a part-time lunch chef, stopped the breakfast. One day, he was a volatile chef, the, um, the person we hired. One day, he literally just walked out on service. And I said, okay, here's the deal, John. <laughs> I'm still teaching. We can't do lunch dinner. We go to dinner only, keep the Sunday brunch, which we had done from the beginning. We had a great brunch. And we'll be a dinner restaurant. And all of a sudden, we started making money. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah, not a lot, but we started making, right. you know. Well, I yeah. mean, 36 seats, 34, 34 seats, seats, 34 yeah. seats. It's yeah. hard to make yeah. money. Five on services a week, yeah. you know, no. so. And, um, and that's how it happened. And, and I remembered, I remember I was driving down to San Francisco State to teach one day. And this is in 06, in the like fall of 06. And John calls me and says, um, I have something really important to discuss with you. I'll tell you later. <laughs> I, said, well, I love when people well, do that. Why don't you tell me now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he said, yeah, I've decided it's time to retire. <laughs> you know, after 10 and a half years. I said, okay, we'll talk. So first, I, oh, I've got to find another partner. And it's hard to find a good partner. I mean, you know, John and I had a really good working relationship, mm-hmm. you know. Neither one questioned the other on And you had your their, division their of labor. Exactly. Yeah. And and both respected the other in what mm-hmm. they did. And so it worked very well. And the the chances of finding that again seemed unlikely. And um so I thought But you had to buy him out. I had I yeah, exactly. you bought him out. Well if I remember correctly, this was John was saying this was like at the end of the year. It was the end of season and he was like he said it was the <laughs> this is his story, the way he tells it. <laughs> He was, it was in the middle of a shift and he remembers looking at the clock to see what time it was to see when he was going to be done. He said it was the first time I'd ever remember looking at the clock thinking, when am I getting out of here? And he said, that's when he knew he was just, and so he went and we went, took it through New Year's Eve dinner, 2006, which was a lot of fun. We had a great time. Yeah. Good dinner. That, That just gave me a flashback memory of, um, of your uh, foie dinner that uh, was that at a state that was at a state mm-hmm. I went to uh, yeah. or, or a foie was it was yeah. such a great yeah. Uh, yeah. play yeah. on it words was, it I was fun my, uh, I don't remember what year that we was, didn't do yeah. anything that clever because we're not as clever as Sandra <laughs> 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 you, you sleep more than I do um, yeah and so how did that feel like the first six eight months you know now you're like it's all dependent on you you yeah. have to hire a chef yeah and who was yeah. the first chef that you hired? Well, at first I thought, you know, Marco, who was our sous chef, was so c- capable because he had cooked one night a week for John anyway, Thursday mm-hmm. nights, and which he does now and is just seamless. I mean, he's like 99% wow. <laughs> on this guy. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's been with you for, for 21 years. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I thought, well, I can pick up some of the slack. I'm not teaching anymore, mm-hmm. not commuting. So I remember I did desserts. I braised the pot roast. I did various things so that he wouldn't have to do as much, you know. And um, after about two weeks, I, I thought it was two months, but I think it was two weeks. I thought, <laughs> we got to rethink this. Yeah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and so um, I quietly, I did not want to put anything out really public because you know John had made a big success you know well, when, what year did you get um what year did you get 
in the top 100 uh, restaurants. Oh, I'll tell you a great story about prior to that. So in, in, um, in the fall of 97, Sharon Stone was living here in Sonoma. Oh, that's yeah. right. Making the movie Sphere. And she became a regular. And um, she came to the house for lunch. She came over for dinner. And then one, then she, I remember her telling me, hey, um, I was fixed up with this guy. And, you know, he, he brought me a book. I was really impressed that he brought me a book. And, you know, his name's Phil Bronstein. Do you know right. him? I said, no. So, well, we want you guys to come have dinner with us in the city. And <laughs> so we meet at, their, at his apartment. And no, with you and John. No, oh, I'm sorry. Anna and, and, and Anna. Me and Anna, uh-huh. yes, yeah. It was the two of us and Phil and Sharon. And Phil Bromstein, I believe, was with he the, was uh, editor the of Chronicle the Examiner. Of the, of the, the Examiner, okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, he said, you know, I was driving Sharon around and I showed her this great little, you know, neighborhood called South Park. And so we're eating at Ristorante Echo tonight. I said, oh, I said, wow. my oh, God. The dinner's on me. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. And um, anyway, I remember, you know, in the beginning, John had said, I don't want to review. I just don't want to be humiliated. <laughs> and so... Um, so we didn't, you know, we didn't look for a review. And then, but at, I think now in the spring of 98, Sharon called and said, oh, you know, how are things going? I said, I don't know. I'm going to give it another six months. If it doesn't click, we're just going to close. Well, was, what was happening then? What we, the, well, there was not much happening in Sonoma. <laughs> you know, no. Mind you, this is 1997, 98. And, um, so you're doing how many covers a night on average? Oh, uh, seven, oh. eight, 13. So you've got a, a good you've night. got a full staff ready to go, ready to do fifty if you if yes. you if you could. But you know, uh, weekends we were doing better, but you know, we were. I I have I remember thinking, if we can do eight hundred dollars a night Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and two thousand a night on Friday, Saturday, we can make it. Right. <laughs> you know? Wow, wow. <laughs> this is right. And I said, um, you know, if Phil wants to send someone out to review for the Examiner we wouldn't be opposed to it. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me put him on the phone. You didn't tell John this though. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, so <clears throat> Phil says, well, I can't guarantee it's a good review. I said, no, absolutely not. You know, I wouldn't expect that, but you know, if you want to so yeah, I'll send someone out, never sends anybody out. Oh, interesting. Then, um, in May of 98, um, we have, you know, it's a, it's a Saturday, it's a Saturday night. No, it's a Friday night. And these two guys walk in, take them up to table 10, which is one of my favorite tables, just coincidentally happen to be, you know, available. Is that the corner table? No, it's at the table at the top of the stairs on the left. Right. By that. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. but it faces out. Faces, faces out, overlooking yeah, the restaurant. Yeah. And um, have dinner, you know, next night, same two guys walk in. I happen to have the same table again. I said, oh, I've got your table for you, you know. And um, thought nothing of it. Then the next, weren't closed Sunday, Monday, open Tuesday night, dead, dead. One server and me, and the same two guys come in. Wow. wow. And so it's so slow, they start asking questions. And I said, eh, no, they just know a little too much. And then, boom, I remembered. In, in um, 1992, when we opened up Ristorante Echo, we had a fourth partner, Susan Walter, who was the president of the American Institute of Wine and Food. And for our opening party, our guest of honor was Julia Child. 
who brought Jacques Pepin, and so they were there oh, for our so opening party. Fun. And um, Michael Bauer came to to the party where I met him. But now, mind you, this is how many years later. Yeah. Didn't recognize him, and then boom, it clicked. Wow! It clicked. You it's were Bauer. Like, <gasps> Didn't tell anybody. I go into the kitchen. And at the time, John made this beautiful appetizer of homemade potato pancakes with smoked salmon. Actually, I, I love that dish. And I saw yeah. him make a set of pancakes, and then I saw him throw them out and start a new one. I thought, that's why I don't have to tell him yeah. who's here. Well, and it, Because it doesn't matter. He's going to make right. the best meal. Yeah. And I, never, I didn't tell him until after service, didn't tell the server, didn't tell anybody. Good move. Yeah, that was very smart. And... Um, then about a week later, we get a fact check call from the Chronicle, and t- it turns out they were doing a story on Sonoma restaurants. The week before, they had done Napa restaurants. Mm-hmm. This was a survey of Sonoma restaurants, and um, it said the best new find of the year. Wow! Look for a full review in Sunday's date book. Back then, the Sunday review was in the date mm-hmm. book section, and we got three stars Sunday, and our business doubled immediately that's amazing overnight it changed the business and there was this regular customer who came in you know and he said you know most restaurants when they get a review like that and they get hit they go downhill john got better wow you know he says your food has gotten better and you know and and we rode that way for you know i said oh we'll get four months out of it but we got a long bump out of that yeah. Very long bump out of that. It, it, it is always surprising how those little media blips. And it's so funny because we had no idea how he discovered us. And a couple of people, Deutsch Baldwin, remember Deutsch's on Union Street, oh, a little yeah. back place and one in St. Helena? He, he kind of, yeah, yeah, I let him know. Well, no, it wasn't. I found out like six months later, Emerald Ye, who was a newscaster on NBC News, had was a friend of Michael's and he had done some some bits on the news and he said hey i need a place you know to uh to review in sonoma do you have any she, oh you go to my friend saul's restaurant so uh, but she never told me until much much later well we should do a little backstory so for those of you out there that don't know michael bauer michael bauer is a restaurant reviewer and and i remember working in the city michael bauer was one of those names that you heard all the time and and i think he had had to come three times to the restaurant yes, right. was yes. one of the things that he yeah. would do. But a lot of times, I think, sort of in disguise, right? You, we would have pictures well, sometimes of right. Michael Bauer, and you were always looking Xerox for that picture. in the back. Right. Yeah. He right. would often change his look. Not yeah. with disguises, but he'd grow his hair long, or he'd right. cut it short again, or he'd right. dye it a different color. Yeah. Because and if you got a good review from Michael Bauer... Yeah, he would make or break a restaurant. credit card. Yeah. Different yeah. names. Always under different names. Right. I love Series reading. I've read articles about how hard it is for reviewers when they're doing a lot of reviews and they're, you know, like every day and you have to do two or three of everything and you got to keep track of what name you used, what credit card you used, because you can't go in one day being Joe and then the next day you're under someone else's name. No, he was Michael Matthews those three times. Those three times. Michael Matthews, yeah. Yeah. And, um... Which was funny for me because I had a friend growing up in, you know, in high school named Mike Matthews, <laughs> a guitarist. <laughs> well, it's so great that you did. I have seen this happen in restaurants before when either a celebrity or a reviewer comes in and word starts to spread around the restaurant. And next thing you know, 
everyone's dropping everything stuff, goes to shit crash. yeah people yeah. start freaking yeah. out the chef your starts questioning nice. yourself instead of just being in your normal yeah. regular flow yeah. everything gets kind yeah, of i probably spiky. freak our staff out i go oh my god look who's here yeah. right yeah i, I know so I think yeah. that was, that was brilliant. And I've done that myself where yeah. I know that someone is someone and I just keep my yeah. mouth shut and I make yeah. sure that they have a fine experience. And then when they leave, you know, yeah. no, before they leave, you ask for their autograph we every never time. Do that. <laughs> they, I'll tell you another like Tom Waits comes to the restaurant you know, a handful of times. And I think the first time he came, some ladies were walking by and saw him and came and make a big deal. And he left. Um, and so we never, ever you know made a big deal and he are, and a lot of you know people of that nature have come in and um just give them their privacy right you know? does tom but waits live here locally he lives in west county oh. yeah, he yeah. Would go but to, you know it's funny because i was in a restaurant in prague and years ago and in their hallway down to the bathroom they had photographs of the owner with all the you know with bill clinton with i mean just dozens and I dozens could see, of people. I could see that And if you in had your started place. that in the beginning, you know, right. where you... But yeah. I was never comfortable to ask for a picture with somebody. Yeah. You know, I no. just... Or to yeah. ask for an autograph. Just, you know, I feel like they don't want that. They right. want their privacy. When I lived in New or, York City... Or they may be dying to get on that wall. Maybe. At Sardis. I don't know. <laughs> you know, we, when I lived in New York, we lived on 70, 72nd and, and uh, Columbus. And John Lennon lived at the Dakota... 72nd we were 75th in Columbus he was 72nd Columbus Central Park West and we would pass him on Columbus Avenue him and Yoko and and I would when I'd pass by I thought I'm not going to say anything I thought isn't that cool I just passed John Lennon on the street you know and never said hello I maybe nodded but didn't you know interrupt hey can I you know and that's sort but of I have that wonderful in memory York, I that, think I think that's why people yeah. are so comfortable to walk around in New York. Right. I mean, I remember seeing Sigourney Weaver get off the Columbus Avenue bus with her laundry bag to go to the laundromat, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Times when you've have had, changed. I remember Ludacris being in The Girl in the Fig one night, and he was the one that actually initiated. Oh, yeah. The, I wasn't there that night. I, I had left for the night and then saw on Instagram all these pictures of the, <laughs> the, the staff. staff pictures. And I know that they didn't initiate it. He was. Uh, mm, uh, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, who is ludicrous? And the same thing when Lady Gaga was was at the Fig, um, I don't think any Kimmy was behind the bar. Uh-huh. She ended up getting like a hundred dollar tip, which was really cool. But the guests around, you know, started it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't remember this story until about a year ago. That working at the Four Seasons in San Francisco, we would occasionally have um, uh, Sean Penn. And Kevin Spacey would come in together together. And (laughs) Kevin Spacey's sister lives in the Bay area. So they, he would come to visit her and, and Sean Penn, you know, was living in Marin. So would, would drive into the city. And, um, but I, I, you know, after all this shit has gone down over the last year or two, um, I remember having, I remember the exact table that they were sitting at one night and we would go, um, we would let them, we would let Sean smoke in the restaurant. So it was at the end of the night, we'd sort of kick everyone else out. He would send someone to, down to the little liquor store down to the corner and get smokes. And he would sit there and smoke during dinner. And, and, um, and Kevin was with, um, with this young guy. And I remember him ordering a drink. And I, I said to, I think it was a cosmopolitan. He said, let me get a cosmopolitan. I said, can I see your ID? And he said, no. And at that point I had to decide, 
you know, and you're sort of awestruck a little bit. You're in front of these celebrities and you think, well, they would say something if it wasn't okay, you know, and they didn't say anything. So then I just kind of turned around and got his drink, his drink. (laughs) Right. And then don't think anything of it until years later when all this comes out and you go, oh, I was contributing to that entire situation unknowingly (laughs) just sort of doing your job um yeah wow yeah but a lot of stories like that working at um hotels you know Um, well i think when we were young you know like now it's like i it's got to be by the book like everything's hypersensitive yeah it's so crazy like even like my nephews when they would first first come in you know or let them have a taste of something or oh my god evan was when he was nine we let him work behind the bar i mean he couldn't even barely see over the bar but he was like so excited you would totally get nailed now yeah i mean you would get nailed then yeah yeah probably (laughs) probably (laughs) but less fearful of something happening well litigation is is a scary thing i tom hanks was just on um i don't know if you guys watch the graham norton show um great talk show from um, from England and Tom Hanks was talking about how he was just recently at a music festival and and um, he went to go get a beer and he didn't have a wristband on oh. and the the girls you know it's these young girls working back there said I'm sorry Mr. Hanks we know who you are we just we can't give you a beer because you don't have the wristband he said fine where do I get the wristband and they pointed you know it's like half a mile away that he had to walk so he says so I sent someone to get a wristband and then I came back and, and but you're, you're Tom Hanks and rules are rules and yeah i uh, like that yeah no i like that i think and i think he was empathetic with the girls saying you know i understand you have a job to do that's just the way it is now yeah Yeah. different world definitely different world so you know now you just turned 23 which is is unbelievable just now yesterday uh, this Uh, past (laughs) week (laughs) yeah Yeah. july 3rd was our 23rd anniversary it's just so i mean yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, a lot of years in the business, a lot of years. Uh, yeah, how, what? What about that? What do you do to keep yourself interested? Keep it fresh. I know for, because you are there. You're, actually, you're there with the guests. Saul yeah. is one, and that's why he's successful. Is because when you go to Saul's restaurant, it is it is his restaurant. He is there, touching tables, making sure that you're having a good time. Probably recommending wine and or food. Um, I can't think of another place on the plaza that has that sort of it's personal a, I touch. mean, it's funny you say that. I mean, there are, Michael Bauer, before he retired from the Chronicle, the San Francisco Chronicle had written a piece and said, you know, one of the few remaining mm-hmm. owner-operators on the floor. Yeah. You know, and if you think about it, there aren't that many, any, you know, anymore. And the there's old a garden, huge burnout yeah. rate. Yeah. Well, yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you, because I'm only open five services a week and that's funny, you know, it's yeah. because the last time Michael Bauer was in for dinner at this point now, he'd been so many times I couldn't pretend not to know him. And, um, Michael Murphy, who was with him said, well, why aren't you open on Sunday, Monday? I said, 
And I said, that's why 18 years later, I can still smile every night when I come in, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I'm not killing myself in the business. But by that right. same token, I'm not making a killing, you know, you uh, like to say, I yeah, make a living, he, not a killing, right. but it's quality of life. But how do you work that out financially? Don't you sometimes think, ah, oh, if we were just open another couple of days, I could have one of your most trusted servers or someone that you could hire to, to replace you for those two nights we've only had that conversation how many times over the last 20 years i do take a week off a year and so i have one of my servers and and you know two out of three servers two of them have been there you know 10 to 12 years Mm -hmm. with me and so they know every aspect of the business and the guests know them so um uh, that makes it a little bit easier you know but yeah it would be i thought about taking saturday nights off on a regular basis and then I just realized I'd have, so, well, so-and-so called. They said, we'd like to come in. It's all there now. Okay, we'll come in next week. Yeah. yeah. Which is, so it's a blessing and a curse. Right. Yeah. What yeah. would you say the percentage of regulars versus visitors? Local to tourists? Yeah. Um, local to tourists, I mean, it, it, it depends on the night, but I would say on average it's about 60-40. Local? Local. Yeah. That's um, but I will tell you, Prior to the fires and the, well, actually go back further. I would say in the 2000 to 2005 before the recession, um, it had flip-flopped. It was 60 tourists Mm -hmm. to 40 regular. And I think because people say, oh, you can never get in, you can never get in, which is really a misconception. Um, Yeah, I mean, if you only want to go out at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night, you might have to plan for it. But, you know, weeknights you can walk in. Even Fridays, you know, I try to hold that table or two, so... I have some wiggle room mm-hmm. to let you know people walk in, and then we have the bar seats overlooking the kitchen. And when the weather's nice, we have two tables outside, so yeah. you know we can build it. Right. Yeah. But everything, I mean, online reservations have really changed the nature of dining. In what totally. way? Well, you're not interacting with a person when you make a reservation. So right. you have no qualms to book it, cancel, book it again, cancel. I mean, I've seen people book and cancel three times the same day yeah um so there's no so there's not a personal but the other thing is that if you're an owner operator and you're the person taking every call i mean you weren't hiring someone a reservationist to be on the phone and that is different as well and people exactly so i do take every call so when somebody comes in and says well i called and i spoke to a woman uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, uh, who said? Um, but you know, but then I realized people today want twenty four seven access. Yes. And if they wake up in the middle of the night and want to make it book a table, they want to just book it. And so I, I can't offer that right. without an online reservation right. service. Well, I mean, in this day and age, I think none of us can afford not to have something for yeah. people. And even in, you know, in Europe, you see more and more the fork, the forchette. You can book online. Um, I think there's a couple other ones you can book online. But open tables available. Open table in some place. Yeah. yeah, In some areas. True. But there's a lot of places still in Europe that you have to email them, not call. Right. I mean, but email and hope you hear back and hope you get a table. I mean, La Mijon. My favorite. I, and <laughs> I just wrote about it in the Chronicles, uh, added it to my list. I yeah. mean, what a magical place yeah. that is. And, and I, you know, I had the, 
it's going to sound funny. It's in funny. Paris, La Mijon. La Mijon on the Rue Malard in yeah. the 7th arrondissement. And he used to be the chef. It's a great house, French accent he just should, came it's right out there. He, he it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He used to be the chef at um, Le Comptoir. Oh, I never knew yes. that. Yes, and so when I went to dinner that night, I had told the server, oh, he ate at Le Comptoir the night before. And we were had such a remarkable meal there. I mean, I can remember everything we had. And we were, didn't really want to serve. We ordered sorbet. And, but he sent out, because we had Which had dinner. Which one? At Le Comptoir? At, no, at, at, at La Mijon. He sent out. You didn't have rice pudding? He sent out the rice pudding. Yeah. And it was ethereal. The, be- the best. I have never in my life, because yeah. we, would we wouldn't have ordered yeah. it. It was ethereal. I, I mean, it was like clouds. It was heaven. It was I. I mean, you just died and went to heaven. Yeah. When you ate that I, dish. You know, he has that in the markets now. You can. I know. It can't be the same. Well, it's. I don't think it's the <laughs> same at all. But like someone Coming must have come to him, him yeah. and you know said, "Hey, I want to put your rice pudding yeah. in a glass jar and sell it and on the shelf." Came, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, we have talked about. Paris a lot. Yeah. I mean, definitely a fun place for you, a fun place for yeah. me. I ate recently at La Maison, I would say, I think it was last fall, and I sat at the table, like if you're looking at the kitchen, mm-hmm. I sat at the table on the right of the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Where facing he's the yelling kitchen, out and, <laughs> and he's like putting everything <laughs> and, you know, smiling. And I mean, yeah. he was in a good mood. The first time John and I went... And we were shoved in to like, a t- I mean, like closer than the girl on the fig tables are. I well, mean, like it's in the like Marais, you got to get all, yeah. what you get. You got to pack yeah. them in. No, they pull and the people, table out. Yeah, to get, you have I mean, to get, there's right. no You're way touching I the could next get table. into those tables. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, and again, it was such an incredible meal that you're like, even though there's a million restaurants in Paris now, it's like you still gravitated to go back to the... But there aren't a great the, restaurants no. in Paris. You know, there's you, a lot of mediocre right, food there. A lot of you know? mediocre But, food. I mean, you sit down and they bring this, this slate, piece of slate with, a, you know, with a, with a pâté de campagne and, mm. you know, and your bread and the, you just start out just... And they just move that from yeah. table to table, you know, yeah. in, in, in <laughs> yeah. a terrine dish. And, you know, you get when, when you got it, that's when you yeah. just like the cheese plate to comptoir. Exactly. And, um, <laughs> and then I remember I had this Parmesan soup. And so the, the this glass bowl comes. This, we should be talking about food, shouldn't we? Absolutely. And there's this <laughs> tiny little mirepoix of of vegetables and croutons in the dish, you know. And then they bring over the silver pitcher and pour in this Parmesan soup. I like the best thing I'd ever had, you know, yeah. and then you finish and they f- bring the pitcher back and pour it in <laughs> oh, again. That's awesome. And then we had this seven hour beef, you know, with this yeah. foam on top yeah. that just fell apart in, you know, off the fork. And then like Crocs and, you know, the old fashioned yeah. crusade, octopus, like the old ones. Wonderful yeah. octopus and bacon together. Yeah. And, um, but the, Le, Le Comptoir too, I mean, happens to be consistently one of my favorites. Yeah, and, yeah. The um, last time I was there, I had the chocolate podocrem, and they pour a quarter inch of like milk or oh, like cream oh, right on yeah. top, mm. served with a little madeleine, <laughs> and it's like the best thing. Like, oh my god, it was incredible. I think I had like five courses that night. I was on my own. 
Yeah. And I just sat at the back. Now, it's funny because at that table, I sat at the table and the time before that, I was with John and Claudia and Alice Waters was sitting oh. at the table that I was sitting. I mean, how yeah. unbelievable for us both to be in Paris at the same time, yeah. both to be at the restaurant at the same time. She was with a, air quotes, um, old assistant. I'm sure that's <laughs> who it was. Is his name Todd by any chance? I think that's possible. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and she was lovely. She came, you know, we said hi and she said hi and, um, but it was, I just love, and I love staying at that hotel. Yeah. I love that hotel. Yeah. It's not anything. And nowadays I think you can only eat there if you're staying in the hotel. Well, you can only get a reservation. Yeah. Yeah. So you could walk in right. and sit on the, on the sidewalk yeah. or, um, but yeah, he's, yeah, I love, yeah. I love. Yeah. And so the other I mean, there are other Paris places that, I mean, you go as often as you can. Yeah, as, yeah. it's been a few years. La Parisienne. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my brother was making the movie 100-Foot Journey. And so, yeah, we, we should talk about yeah. that, his food, his yeah. food movies. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, okay. tell us about it. Well, my brother David, one of three other brothers, um, is a production designer. He's got two Oscar nominations under his belt. Yeah. Um, He had an Oscar nomination for Life of Pi and another one for um, Cider House Rules. But he's done a few food films. Yeah. 100-Foot Journey was one. Burnt was another one. 100-Foot Journey, my wife Maria, just a couple weeks ago, could not believe that I had never seen that movie. Did you see it now? No. Oh, you so, you have to see it. That's what she said. Well, now when you <laughs> see it, you're going to think of Saul's brother. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did all the set design, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. All the food scenes. Everything. I mean, everything. All the restaurants. You know, and what you don't realize. I mean, there, there are three key people in producing a film and in creating a film the director the cinematographer production designer and all three contribute equally you know to that that final product and i mean just i remember when he was doing um was an actually a movie with bill murray in new york where he dressed up as a clown as a bank robber but i remember one of the sets i forgot what it was called but anyway um i mean down to the placement of paper clips yeah. on every tape, you know, on, on the desk. I mean, just everything. Um, he, he did a Nobody's Fool with, with Paul mm-hmm. Newman, and he created the feeling of a nor'easter. I mean, you just, you felt like you were in that northeast, you know, city um, for that film. Do, uh, do What happens, is he the person that gets all the requests for branded products? I mean, do they go to him and say, oh, he I has need a team my under, Pepsi bottle. He has a team under him. And they deal with yeah, it. And yeah. they would bring it to him yeah. and say, hey, Pepsi right. wants What this. he does, I mean, David goes about two to three months ahead of, of filming and sc- starts by scouting locations. And then he designs in his head, then he builds models. And they wow. develop from there. Yeah. And then he's on set every day through filming. You know, and which movies have you gone to watch? Whew. Like when he's Of Mice working. and Men. Um, what was that one with Bill Murray as the clown? <laughs> I don't know. It was like um, a silly movie. 100 for Journey. Um, were you there when he was shooting Oh, that? yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Which, yeah. where were you? We, were well, you he had actually... an apartment in Paris. 
and then a house in the south of France. They had them in both locations because they did some they did right, shots shot in Paris. Um, but on for shooting, I went down to the south of France. Mm. And do you remember um, what city it was? Yeah, in? and I it's well. I'm it was a beautiful property. Yeah, yeah it was a beautiful yeah. property. Yeah, and um, uh, I just that's remember. okay. So how many? So you were there. Yes. Yeah, and what would up. you do? Just hang about? It's yeah. It's it's a lot Long. of hurry up and wait. Skulking. But you know, it was raining, and Helen Mirren said, Ooh. you know. Well, let's do this shot, you know, because she didn't want to waste a day of shooting. Right. You know? and That's so awesome. Did they, you meet her? Yeah. Well, uh, I, was, I you kind of there. bumped into her coming down the stairs. <laughs> oh, you, you bumped into her on purpose. No, 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 actually not. I was a little embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> I'll still remember um, you now. But the, yeah, but there have been an, a number of films. I mean, David's made over 40 films. That's now. incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Today. But he, you know, he like, started out in some... theater. He was at... Yale Drama School with Meryl Streep, uh, Henry Winkler, Louis wow. Black, wow. Sigourney Weaver. They were all there at the same time. Um, and he wanted, you know, Ming Cho Lee was the Broadway set designer. And that's who he went to study with. And so he started doing Broadway. And then Robert Altman directed a show called Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean. Mm -hmm. And David did it on Broadway. And when he wanted to take it to film, he said, David, will you do this with me? And then he stayed in film ever wow. since then. I mean, the food, like the food scenes, like... Well, in Burnt, for example, which yeah, originally yeah, was going to be burnt. called Chef. Right. And, and they then did that. they had to change the name because... And did Tom, Thomas Keller consulted no, on No, no, it was... Um, it was um, um, fatted duck. Um, Heston Blumenthal. He Heston Blumenthal. Oh, is who they worked with, and they, you know, they ate. They ate well. Did they get to eat like real food? <laughs> oh well, they, you know, they wanted John Wells. They wanted he wanted to research, so they went to you know New Hospital Road, uh, which was Gordon Ramsay's like twenty five seat restaurant, uh -huh. which was phenomenal. So they went to all these Michelin star restaurants, mm -hmm. you know, to research, you know, how to. Did they go develop. with Brad? No, but no, um, no just John, just the. Um, but he was, you know, he's fluent French. He's quite oh, a complete um, actor. Hmm. And um, well, yeah. I think, yeah, and more than that, now directing. Yeah, I mean, we could yeah. on his last. Yeah, film. Um, Those eyes. What saw? So what did your parents do? It's so you. you well, my you've father got some was in advertising. Uh, kids. My father was in advertising, and my mother was um, a stay-home mom, and probably the most wonderful person. You she passed away at ninety-three. Fun. I th I think I said nobody could ever say anything bad about my mother. It's just the truly the most together, loving wonderful person but my parents never squashed i remember well when david he was he was 13 he said i'm gonna go out and get an agent he wanted to be an actor <laughs> i remember my mom saying to us now don't laugh at him when he comes back he came back he had an agent oh my god <laughs> and i remember telling my father in 10th grade i said you know i think i want to be a doctor he said but you love music why would you want to be a doctor and you know what parent Jewish father would tell their right. son not to go yeah. into medicine no. right yeah. so you know we had a very encouraging household yeah and that's important yeah 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 well I think the reason you guys are so successful at what you do too is like you said Saul closing the restaurant a couple of days and Sandra you just hearing you talk about food it's because you really love 
food. Well, you know, my mother would in the '60s. I remember seeing Gourmet magazine, you know, mm-hmm. on the table, and she she was a baker. I mean, she would have the there was a you know a break front, you know, in the in the in the in the breakfast room, always had pastries? all kinds of pastries. Oh my cookies. goodness. That would have been terrible for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I love it. And ironically, my father was the most unadventurous eater. Mm. So, you know. My my dad, too. Chicken. And I just loved food. I mean, I remember when I was a music student at Manhattan School of Music, um, we had just turned 21, Judy and I, and we went, we used to go to this restaurant called Le Lavandu. And it was, um, this is in the 70s, late 70s. And it was Jean-Jacques Rachou who had La Cote Basque. And mm-hmm. he had this little mm-hmm. prefix restaurant called Le Lavandu on East 62nd. And it was a $25 prefix. Mm. That was a lot of money in 1970. Right. And I remember going to dinner there the first time. And I knew nothing about wine, right? And I, I, to this day, I remember I had salmon en croute, you know, <laughs> I remember the dish and I had no idea what to, to order for wine. And the, the server recommended a Sancerre, which to this day is my favorite mm. white wine. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was the least expensive wine on the list. And that stuck with me. And I tell every one of my servers yeah. the same story. I said, it's not about recommending right. the most expensive wine. Right. It's about recommending the right wine. Yeah. And I, I, I never that forgot recently. that. I had an experience recently yeah. at Hana. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we were there and I was looking at the list and, you know, I like pointed to like a $150, you know, bottle of sake, mm-hmm. just thinking, okay, more must be better. And the sake psalm came up and he was like, you know, let me bring you a taste of something. And it was a $50 bottle. I mean, he lost like a hundred bucks, but we had two. And I ended up going home with a half a dozen bottles of sake, you know? So, I mean, he, 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 but you really, you gain trust that exactly. You gain trust from your, your customer. And that's the most, and so that if that customer comes back and you find that the expensive wine is really the best wine for their experience, they trust trust you. you Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What was your best, do you have a best dining experience ever? Like, do you have like a top two or top three? It's a hard, because I, I, have, I can't I have dishes. That. There was There was a restaurant in San Francisco in the 80s um, off of Church Street, uh, Le Piano Zank. And I remember a sweetbread dish there that mm. I'll never forget. Mm. You know, that had, it was a... a uh, acidic sherry vinaigrette but it had a little sweet but it had the acid they were tiny morsels of him crispy mm. perfectly crisp mm. you know that I'll never forget I'm salivating you know right the salmon en croute yeah. at Le Lavandu in 1978 you know mm-hmm. um, there have been some the meals at the French Laundry that yep. were memorable ethereal yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah what's in your fridge <laughs> I know what you make for lunch like a lot of days. <laughs> I'm picturing champagne. Cheese, cheese champagne quesadillas. and cheese. Cheese quesadillas for lunch. I I love cheese puffs. I love mac and cheese. I eat I eat a lot of just average stuff mm-hmm. that I just that I have never lost a taste for. You know? How do you feel about going out to restaurants now that, that are still doing that prefix style? I, you know, I'm a little bit, honestly, I'm a little bit over 
the four theater, hour dining the theater yeah right. um i just want food that tastes good right okay i'll tell you a memorable meal and this was now i can tell you it was 26 years ago and my son lewis was 10 at the time and we went to italy and we were we were in spoleto but not up top you know at the duomo we were down in the town and we found this trattoria they hadn't yet opened but they sat us in the courtyard there was a dog running around there was a little girl in diapers and then at a certain time i don't know it was 11 30 or 12 whatever it was all these workers started coming in because they had their their food cards you know they get they had government sponsored meals Mm -hmm. And so they, they start coming around with dishes, plates, you know, of food that they just spoon and put on your plate. And there was this plate of brown sludge. <laughs> and they put it down on my plate. It was braised rabbit. And it just exploded in my mouth. Mm. So it doesn't have to be pretty. You know, it doesn't have to be designed. It doesn't. I want food that excites me, mm-hmm. you know, and flavors excite me. Yeah. But even before you took a bite of that, you saw this brown sludge. You were probably well, like, well, no, I knew it was stewed uh, meat. I knew oh, it was stewed yeah. meat. No, it wasn't. I, sh- I yeah. shouldn't say sludge. Yeah. But, I you mean, know, but this pretty, big brown pretty mess. Food, pretty <laughs> food makes it enticing, but pretty food can also dead end. It can disappoint. And, you know, yeah. your expectation yeah. flies up yeah. there. I, I would agree. So, I mean, it's it, I do enjoy, I mean, I love dining. I mm-hmm. do love, you know, food and people what are your hobbies? You know, it's like, huh, what, uh, what are my hobbies? Tasting wine. I guess food and wine are yeah. my hobbies, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and you, and they're a big part of my life. To your credit, you go to the gym pretty much. <laughs> About five times a week because <laughs> yeah. I eat after service, you know, yeah. it's not, not, right. it's not, not good for, you know, digestion and, right. you know, and weight control. Yeah, but I so, mean, if you eat like yeah, right but, before service, you're exhausted. Right. Like, do you guys stay at meals no t- before dinner? Yeah, we take a break and take a break at um, five. But come sometimes back at don't you get like, oh God, I could go take a nap. Uh, yeah, depending on what the what they're making. You know, sometimes they'll do the the mac and cheese thing oh. with you know barb- <laughs> barbecue. I don't know, tri-tip or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's like Thanksgiving dinner. You, right. But you have to make the decision at that point right. how you're do feeling. I do I, yeah. I want to go down that road? Because you know it's going to happen. Right. Right. Saul, so is the reason that you have not trimmed your fingernails on your right hand, is that for playing guitar? Classical guitar, yeah. Okay. I, I tried to hide them. I didn't know you saw them. <laughs> no, I, I tried to hide my right hand. Yeah, that's the I classical guitar I saw technique. them and I thought, oh, maybe yeah. he just needs to get a manicure. And then no. I saw your other hand and yeah. said, oh, that's oh, that's, yeah. that's uh, yeah. on oh, purpose. Oh, I never noticed. Yeah, I was just actually, and, and I don't, you know, they're like, they are your tools. And yeah. so they have to be shaped this, the, a certain length and shaped a certain way to art- get the right articulation on the guitar. And so I'm, you don't use a pick? No, not for classical guitar. Oh, mm-hmm. These are your picks. Just, yeah. Oh. And so I was just reading through the third cello suite of Bach. You know, yeah. the prelude has this glorious section that I was just writing in the fingerings for. And, and I thought, oh, I got I to work on my nails because they're not hitting in the right spot. Right. Yeah. And how That's, often are you still playing guitar? Is it daily? I pick up guitar daily, but I, you know, I like doing other guitars too. So I've, all the guitars that I couldn't get when I was a kid because we had no money mm-hmm. I've started yeah, collecting <laughs> <laughs> and so electric guitars steel string guitars you know so I picked those up 
Have you ever Mas- heard of a guy named Willie K from Hawaii? You know, it's so funny. I, I have heard of him and mm-hmm. I know they advertise him. He plays at a restaurant. Uh, well, he used to play at, um, oh, Hapa, Hapa's, I think, in Maui. I don't, Maybe I that's he, what it I is. I think he's died recently. He, no, they were just advertising oh, really? a week ago. Oh, God. Oh. Thank God. Because, yeah. uh, okay. Oh, but my God. I, we used I to go Willie, see him. I hope you didn't hear that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we used to go see him when I lived on Maui. And then I know sometimes he Reports does shows. Reports of my death are <laughs> yeah, exactly. seriously yes. exaggerated. It's yes. just going to sell more tickets. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I know he plays in Santa Cruz sometimes. And then we were just at the Marin County Fair last week. In my, and, and I think Dwight Yoakam was playing um, opening night. And I had never seen the little venue that they have there at the Marin County Fair. And my mom said, oh, yeah, I've seen Willie Kay here before. He did an entire set of opera because Willie Kay was one of those guys. I mean, he's a guitar player, but then it depended on a lot of times depend on how much he was drinking that night as to what the set list was going to (laughs) be. You had no idea. Sometimes you'd go there and it would be classical Hawaiian songs. And sometimes it would be uh, a whole Santana album. Yes. And then I can't, I can't drink and play. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe my mom said, yeah, he did an entire set um, that was done um, um, with opera. Oh. I thought, yeah, very interesting. But I was just curious if you've yeah. ever heard of him because I'm yeah. sure you'd appreciate his um, his uh, breadth of um, knowledge when it comes to music. He's just one of those guys that I mean, you just sit and watch for an hour and a half yeah. in awe. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, wonderful. I know. This was really fun. I mean, I could ask another hundred questions. Like, do you have any restaurants on your bucket list? Oh, well, I always want to go to El Bui, but I... Never oh, made it. I know. You know, that would have been fun. Yeah. Well, where do you eat around here? Um, you know, I tend to drive out of town because every time I go somewhere here, oh, checking out the competition. Oh, right. you know, no, I'm just going to eat. You're you know, right. it's just so food. <laughs> I try to avoid, you know, those questions. Yeah. Busman's holiday? No, <laughs> I'm just like you, I'm yeah. like everybody I'm else. So what are you yeah. talking about? You're talking about San Francisco, Marin, I'll go to San Francisco, Napa. go to Napa. Yeah. 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 Well, nobody knows your name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which can be... It doesn't necessarily happen. At least they, yeah. know, they may know me, but they don't ask me those questions. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you think if you weren't on the floor, do you think your wine sales would drop substantially? Oh, that's going to be a big discussion. I know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But also, you know, we can talk about how wine is Wine sales have changed. Right I will now. tell you, Saturday, which used to be our best wine sales night, is now our worst sales night. Why is that? It's because all the wineries and the hospitality programs, so everybody who comes up for the weekend, they don't go to one winery and taste or tasting. They go to three or four. And I cannot tell you the number of times we're all wined out. Right. Do you notice that too? You know, that's so funny that you said that. Last night was one of those nights. I sold more cocktails last night. And you see, it's a pattern that you can mm-hmm. see on the weekends that, that people, they They're go, over it. They go to three or four wineries. And, and I'll always say, where did you go? They can come up with two out of the four. They can't remember the other They two. don't know the name right. of, of yeah. the right. other they one. So it's, they not go. it's not a personal they experience. No. And Sometimes they don't, rinse they and don't spit. even know the name. <laughs> they do not right. rinse and spin. Right. They don't um, even know if they're in Sonoma or so not. Last week I started making Bellinis as um, like an yeah. old, and yeah. people You're are so, loving it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, yeah. something different. 
Right. I mean, it's not. No, not I think the only that's one, a but, that's you know, a great choice, actually. Yeah. You know, for without having mm-hmm. a liquor license, mm-hmm. you know, just wine and beer. Yeah. So start. I want to start getting a little bit more creative. Maybe some shrub cocktails that are non-alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Maybe kombucha right. based. You know, I. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, we've had to do that at the cafe for sure yeah. because of the corkage, com corkage. Yeah. It was the only way that way we're going to gonna make you know aperitif sales. Yeah. Or, yeah. And there's some great stuff out there yeah. right now. Yeah. What are you using to make the Bellinis? White peach puree and Prosecco. Okay. And it's so funny. Um, somebody came in and says, you know, I used to get them at Harry's Bar in Venice, and then I've had them since then, and I've never had a good one. He said, this was like Harry's Bar. Perfect. And so my chef said, well, it's just two ingredients. I said, yeah, but it's all about ratio. Right. Right. It's all and, about ratio. And what are people drinking? So I noticed when I left the Grill and the Fig, of course, I was immersed in the Rhone yeah. world, and it was really? all about yeah. Grenache, Saramo, Vendor, because <laughs> that was that was the only option. Um, so I, I just, I don't know, after eight years, you think that's what people drink. <laughs> and then going over to the Fairmont and saying, oh my God, it's I've never Pinot. sold so much shard Pinot and Cab before yeah. in my life. Yeah. And, I, and to, to get people to veer off onto a yeah. Grenache or something, almost like pulling teeth. Yeah, those three um, are, are my biggest sales. Yeah. Ironically, Merlot and Zinfandel fall way behind Chard, Pinot, and Cab. Yeah. Um, I try to find interesting whites by the glass. So I have Aliatico from Hudson Vineyards, which Aliatico is mm-hmm. a black musket, but he makes it yeah. as a white wine. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, a Pinot Gris or, you know, just a Mavazia Bianca, you know, something mm-hmm. different, yeah. you know, out of the norm something for an normal. alternative. Right. And is it all... U.S. wines, or do you have no. some? Well, my list is primarily California, mm-hmm. but then yeah. the reserve list is where we have Bordeaux and yes. Burgundy, right, and right, right. I, I have that. a Brunello, or you mm-hmm. know, a book, you know, um, Chateauneuf. That's where I have fun. You know, I was going to say that's 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 his personal wines <laughs> right. that he's willing to sell at the right price. I think, or or that if they don't sell, I don't mind. I have exactly. them. Right. <laughs> exactly right. You know, it's so funny. You know, I've got a ninety-eight Lafitte Rothschild on the list for fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of money, right? But I was at Republic in L.A. a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. They have 03 and 04. 03 was a hot vintage, so, but it's a good 04, Not such a great vintage. Thirty-five hundred a bottle. Yeah, and thinking I'm a steal. You know, right, right. <laughs> right. That's how I thought about Cinquanon. We always yeah. sold it for less than yeah. a lot of the bigger. But yeah. you want you want someone to drink it. Yeah, and you don't have to make a million times your markup. No, if and someone would enjoy it. Well, you want people to enjoy it, but. What you happens with those allocations? And I think Saul is lucky that maybe he's able to do this. He's able to hold on to wine a little bit more. Whereas you guys oh, are not, you're not, no, uh, no, you're not no. a wine storage company. You are right, a restaurant. Yeah. Uh, right. And I don't have that many, but, but my Bordeauxia, yeah, I do have to sit on for yeah. five years to, and even five years is young yeah. to start, but you can start, right. you know, and, and some of the people that I have a customer who comes in two, three times a month and always orders Bordeaux. And I said, let me know which one we, I'll, I'll decant it a couple hours ahead. Right. You know. Right. Are you guys still doing all ingredients within 60 miles of the restaurant? Ah, uh, you know, a- as best you can. You know, yeah. that's, you know, I would say the preponderance are, but not all. Right. You know. Well, in the, the certain the, times a year, it makes it more difficult. Right. Well, and the thinking is, you know, I heard two chefs talking the other day about how they were trying to sort of recreate that same model. But one of them was saying, well, what if I can get better tomatoes that are 150 miles away? Why am I 
That's how I feel about yeah. muscles. Yeah. I mean, right. our muscles come PEIs. from Prince Edward Island. I mean, right. the why best, would I get fun, yeah. muscles from here? Right. Yeah. It's just not going to be as good. I mean, I have that same sensibility. I think the thing would be sell muscles or don't sell muscles, yeah. not sell right. muscles from there or right. sell muscles from here. But I think it's interesting to get that thought out, though, for people that think, oh, well, you're you're not sourcing everything locally. Doesn't always mean, right. you know, we, we always want to bring you the best product. And as well. Sonoma does right. more than, or I'd say Northern exactly. California right. does it more than most right. restaurants around the country. For sure. Certainly. 100%. You know, yeah. Because we have it available. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And you're doing a neat little thing. And I didn't, I think I saw it on Instagram for the Tuesday night farmer's market. You have like a little to go. Yes. You? All right. So first of all, let's stop. It, it stopped being a farmer's market years ago. <laughs> right. I remember when I first party. moved here, it's a city party. it was a farmer's market. And if for food, you got grandma's pizza or, corn or Uncle Bill's corn dogs. Right. That was it. That was it. Oh, and, those are good corn dogs. And it was, and our then, best, exactly. it was our best night of the week. Yeah. We were and the then, busiest. And then it became a food court. Wait, but then right. at Mary's at it. So like the yeah, next the, year, yeah. there was maybe one more food person. Well, because grandma's went out of year, business grandma's, and Mary's came right. in. Yeah. And it was, it was for the first, like five years, it was like slow, gradual. And then it was like... Just took off. There are now over 20 food vendors on Tuesday Night Market. Right. And I thought, in the last few years, you know, it literally cut our business in half. Wow. We went from 60 to 70 covers to 28 to 35 Unless it rains. Unless it rains or it's cold. I remember those nights, yeah. yeah. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not doing this because we're not making money on it. It's a $20 two-course menu. Yeah. And, but I just, you know, get those Cafe La Haye bags out there. But now half of the people just take them home. They don't even take it because <laughs> you're getting a two course dinner right. and you're getting From a salad you, and a right. main course for 20 bucks. That's great. But you know what? That's fine. Right. You know, get the name out there again because, you know, it's not, tw- you know, 15 years ago where, oh, you can't get in any, no, you can get in, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are a lot more restaurants in town and they're, and we're all sharing the same pie. Right. Right. You know, so it's not as if, you know, there are that many more people, you know, we're all sharing the pie with the same kind of right. number of people. Right. Well, how do you feel about what's going on on the squares as far as the, you know, the tasting rooms and the uproar of, you know, I, I mean, I certainly don't care for having so many tasting rooms, but I also remember in 2004, they were all real, real estate, estate offices off. and yeah. it was a self-correcting problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't believe that all these tasting rooms can continue to afford the rent yeah. based on the, the number of visits. And I think it too would have become a self-correcting problem had the city council not come in and decided to do something, you know, yeah. to restrict and, you know, it'll happen by attrition. Right. Right. You know, and, and the part that I think is a shame is most of them are family owned businesses. The a lot tasting of the, the tasting rooms. Yeah. I mean, but there are, some there are port, numbers that are from that are not and, even Sonoma wine. Right, exactly. That yeah. you know is kind of a bummer. That but, I think is the danger because you have a right. corporation behind them that can actually afford to stay right. there and pay the rent, even right. if they're not doing business, exactly. as opposed to a small family-owned business right. that's, that's yeah. not. But able the to ones do that. that are going to get hurt are going to be the small family businesses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are your favorite wineries to go visit? It's so funny because mm-hmm. people ask me that all the time. And because I taste on a weekly basis, yeah. it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. And so what I recommend for people is I go some go somewhere that brings something else to the table. You know, right. like Art. Artessa 
that that is one of the most stunning vistas in all of the valley. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. built into the hill there by Cotonou Napa. I mean, yeah. that is a stunning facility. Um, you know, Benzig, when the Benziger family owned With the ben, tram, you know, they had well, they had their biodynamic right. story. You know, right. so something that brings something a little bit more to the table. I mean, even you know, Donham and the art collection now is the Do- just collection over the there, top. Yeah, um, you know, I love. I love Schaefer because I love the Schaefer family, you yeah. know, and I love the wines. Um, Rocchioli, you know, if you're mm-hmm. going to go, but, you know, Pete, but right here in the immediate area, you know, I say something that brings a little bit more to the table right. than just the wine itself. Right. Because then it's more of an experience. Yeah. Right. You know where I had fun of uh, about a month ago was going to the Hanson Distillery. Oh, yeah. And doing a oh, tour so there awesome. and then doing a vodka tasting and sitting down and trying six vodkas, room temperature, yeah. mind you. They were awesome. Um, yeah, made from grapes that were, you know, if you're into celiac or not if you're into celiac, if you have celiac <laughs> disease or if you're a gluten-free person, it's a good option. Mm-hmm. But then they, and then they'll do a tasting. They'll do um, um, caviar and vodka from mm-hmm. three different species of sturgeon. Uh, I mean, you can spend as much or as little as you want, right. but I thought that was something, it was a nice break from going and going to a tasting room, which yeah. I agree. I was the same way. People would come to me. I never had to go to them right. to try right. wines. And so, you know, you sort of lose touch with what's going on yeah. at the wineries. Yeah. Um, but I do recommend to people, I said, don't go to more than two. Right. Really enjoy right. the two right. that you go to. But once, you know, then it becomes just a drink fest and then right. it's right. a whole different thing. Yeah. Experience. Cause I want to sell you a bottle of wine when you come to my restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, there's that too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, well, this was so much fun. Yeah, finally Thank getting uh, us all on the show. So I yeah. hope we've uh, gotten enough listeners that um, um, it, it was appropriate enough for Saul to... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm flattered. Thank <laughs> you so much. Really. Yeah, you bet. And and Saul, if people want to get a hold of you, they can go to your website. Yeah. Um, uh, so Cafe CafeLaHaye.com. And you can it, do they and do reservations right through the website? You can, uh, the yeah, website. right on the homepage. The there's website. a button for that or and there's a contact sheet a page with my picture mm-hmm. and my name which clicks right to my email and service days are tuesday through saturday 5 30 5 30 till till the last person yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you do for outreach to concierge anything no we, we <laughs> make you know what sure if you don't have to honestly, that's good but i'll tell you wh- what we do is we make sure that every guest that goes back there is happy right that's right. our outreach right that, right. that they don't have yeah. complaints right and that's what we hear from them. Yeah. We love sending them there. Everybody comes back happy. Yeah, so, good answer. Um, yeah. Last night when I was at Layla, which is mm-hmm. the relatively new restaurant at MacArthur yes. Place, a Fairmont um, van pulled up with people. I thought that was really interesting. In the days that, you know, hotel restaurants weren't, you know, you didn't, they weren't always the best rated restaurants, but to see someone staying at one hotel and going to another well, hotel, you have for to realize they don't want to eat at the same restaurant every night. Right, and if exactly. they're staying at a property, they they so they do move yeah. around. And actually, that's what LB, the you know the new owner of of MacArthur Place, said. He says, you know, they're not going to eat at our restaurant every right. night. You know, we want to mm-hmm. send them to you as well and right. other restaurants in town. But I, but I think it's fun. But yeah. I mean, just the fact that you go from one hotel to another hotel yeah, that, that that's is what that's what my yeah, point yeah because you didn't used to do that yeah you didn't you know like a hotel restaurant would not now i don't think as much but used to be an afterthought mm-hmm. you know you would want to get your guests in there and 
now I think people are pushing, you know, pushing the limit. I mean, even Michael Mina coming into town, you know, do his thing at yep, Carneros, how deep that will go. We'll find out. Um, I, I still haven't seen Jeffrey Zakarian in town. No, he's no longer. Oh, is that, that done? Yeah, that's pretty oh, much done. Okay, yeah, when they hired Cole Dickinson, I think they. Oh, interesting. They, I mean, he still had a contract where he came. Yeah, and because made some comments, when Cole but, when Cole was here, <laughs> when Cole recorded uh-huh. with us, he had never met him. Yeah, <laughs> which he was, did come in and make some comments. Um, I was told, and then they kind of the contract was kind of winding. Oh, down. interesting. He didn't like what he saw. I, no, I'm just saying. I think yeah. he came in and made his, you know, his comments oh, of what his, he thought. Oh, like and, what his yeah. thing was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Michael Mina coming in too. I I always think that's a good thing. That I means do that too. We're keeping as far as I'm concerned, if it's good the, quality, I'm concerned. The more good restaurants that right. open, the better for everybody. Right. The more average restaurants that open, not better for everybody. Right. So, for from my perspective, I want them all to be great. Yeah. You know. More and it'll be more. Uh, better people get in there, train some of these people. <laughs> well, and pull these guests out of Napa. Let's let's get, you know because a lot of times they'll come stay here in Sonoma and then they're going over to to Napa or I'll Saint Helena or funny, You know, when I was teaching at San Francisco State, my secretary in the music office, she knew I lived in Sonoma. She sent mail to me in Sonoma so every weekend when I'd leave. She said, oh, we have safe drive back to Napa. Yeah. yeah. So people, so I mean, yeah. it was a I mean a brilliant branding. You know, thanks mm-hmm. to Bob Mandavi, you know? Yeah. And they branded Napa. And p- as far as people are concerned, wine country is Napa. Yeah. yeah. When I and always, it hasn't, hasn't changed mainstream. It really yeah. hasn't. No, I love sharing with guests. Um, I say, what percentage of wine do you think comes out of Napa, of all of California? And they always say 50, 60, 70%. I say it's about 3 or 4% of wine actually comes out of Napa. We're at about, you know, 6% here in Sonoma, but, um, they, you know, they get 90% Central of Valley. the attention. Central Valley yeah. is where it's all coming <laughs> yeah. from, which I will be headed down to. Um, yes. Yes. I'm excited to go down makers. to, um, we're going to go down to Topless Creek and meet with well, their. Well, that's Central Coast. That's a yeah. whole different story. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I'm talking right. about True. Central Franzia, Val- right. Gallo, right. Central Valley. Right. <laughs> Central. Well, we will be yeah. driving through, you know, when, yeah. whenever mm-hmm. you go down to Paso, you sort of drive through that area yeah. where it's an hour of as far as you can look on your left and your right. It's just strawberries and lettuce and i mean it's just amazing how overwhelming um it is that you just never see yeah Um, but yeah i'm excited to go to go get on the property at topless creek and go um because I've never been. To me, it's kind of like the mecca. Just yeah. planting an, one of the allowable gray. Yeah. Uh, um, the what are they doing? It's like yeah, Terret Noir or Picardine. Um, Picard. Uh, Picar- uh, Picar- 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 What's a Picard? Muscardine. Muscardine. Either of those. It's one that no, I actually had No, I remember. Heard of. Yeah. Shoot. What was oh, it? Oh, that's I thought it was just, sixteen allowable grapes. Is it? Uh, well, they, they have a Claret Blanche that they're yeah. already um, yeah. making one out of and the, and the Cunois. But yeah, they, they just recently, I think, released it or unquarantined or something, yeah. uh, one yeah. of the new grapes yeah. that they got yeah. from the, the family. So I'm super excited. Yeah. And I'm going to eat some fun. meat. Yes, <laughs> as you should. Well, Done fun show. Thank you Thank so you much for coming. That's yeah. great. Yeah, fun. it was a good yeah. time. All right. Well, and if you want to uh, go check out Saul, you can uh, give him a call and make a restaurant at the um, um, on his website. If you want to go and listen to some previous episodes, uh, the one that we referenced earlier with John McReynolds, who's now over at uh, mm-hmm. Stone Edge Farm. You can go to thebikegoeson.com or you can go to Radio Misfits 
and search us there. We are now on iHeartRadio, as well as Hulu, Stitcher, Apple, you name it, we're on it. You can find us. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you.